Please pray with me. Present God, thank you. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the message that is about to be shared. I pray, dear Lord, that you would take me out of self. Allow your Holy Spirit to minister in me and through me to my brothers and sisters. Grant us all ears to hear, hearts to receive, and spirit to respond. And when it's all said and done, may you be glorified in Jesus' name with thanksgiving and the people of God say together, amen, amen, and amen. So something happened a few minutes ago and it has me smiling within myself and I, I'm talking in the spirit of the Lord and I was like, do I share this with them? And then the Lord said, yeah, well, it's not in my sermon, but if you give it to me this morning, I'm going to share it with them. So when the acolytes came up earlier to light the candles on the altar, I saw something that I'd never seen before. So this candle over here, after they lit the candle, there was a beautiful swirl of a smoke hanging right in the middle of the altar, and I'm watching it, and then I'm, I watched it move, you know, as smoke will do, and it kind of moved itself, and it encircled the white candle, and then it dissipated, and I said, Lord, thank you. Thank you for giving me a glimpse of your presence, because Lord knows I have been praying all week, saying, Lord, you know how I'm feeling. Even this morning, I was like, oh, Lord, you have to be my strength for this message. And to me, all of you, it might be just a smoke, but to me, it is God's confirmation that I'm here, and I'm the one who's going to carry you through with this message. It's not different than what the disciples saw on that mountain. You know, they saw something that they had never seen before in Christ Jesus. But that's for a little bit later down. My sermon really started with movies. How many of you love to go to the movies? I do. And I especially like to get to the movies early so I could see the preview of the movies that are coming down the pike in the future. I love to watch them and then I say, okay, Freddie, we are going to go see this, this, and that one when it is released at the appointed time, right? Those previews, they give you a glimpse into what's coming down the pike in terms of movies for your entertainment. They give you a glimpse to help you make a decision about whether or not that movie is worthy of spending your dollars and your time to go and sit and watch it for an hour and a half or maybe three hours in the case, almost like Star Wars kind of thing. So, preview, a glimpse of what is to come. All of our readings today point us uh, to God's glory. They point us to the fact that God is present God is doing, and God is about to do something. 
But when we talk about God's glory, how can we really define it? We really can't see it fully with the naked eye, but yet it is present. Just like we can't see God, the Bible tells us that God is spirit. And those who worship God must worship God in spirit and in truth. So what is God's glory? Let's just kind of take a glimpse into the scriptures. We hear the, psalm, the psalmist in Psalm 19 saying in verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of you, O God. What is God's glory? I will submit to you, as the scripture tells us, it is the majestic presence and power of God in creation, including human creation, but also the universe. The glory of God we heard, if you can recall, in the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, you heard that when the angel came to visit the shepherds that were out in the field to announce the birth of Jesus, Luke tells us that the presence of the angel, the glory of the Lord, shone all around the shepherds. They were afraid. It is the power, it's the presence of God. In the Old Testament scriptures, you, Moses, Moses was the one that God invited to lead God's people out of Egypt into the promised land. And, and there are scriptures in the Old Testament with Moses asking God in Exodus, you know, 33, um, at somewhere around in there in verse 18, he asked God at one time, I want to see your glory. And what did Moses hear? Moses heard God say to him, no human can see my face and live. But because Moses had this special relationship with God, God said to Moses, I will put you in a rock and I will cover you with my hands. And God is not talking about hands like we, he's trying to help us to understand the power and the presence of God. He says, I will cover you, I'll cover your face when my glory passes by you. He says, and at the appointed time, I will remove my hand and I will allow you to see the back end of my glory. For no human can see my glory, my face, and live. The power of God the glory of God that is all around us in this place right here this morning. We cannot see it with our physical eyes, but it's present. If you were to look in the last book of the Bible in Revelation, you know, you will, you will hear John talking about the new city, the new Jerusalem. And, and Jesus is saying, in essence, that he says, in that new city, there will be no need for the sun as we know it, no need for the moon to shine as we know it. He says, because the glory of God 
will illumine the city. In other words, the brightness of God's presence and God's nature will fill that city and that would be enough light for the people who are living in the new city of Jerusalem. God's glory, the power, the presence, the light, the essence of God that we cannot fully see, but yet we are allowed to know that it exists. When we look up into the heavens and we see the multitudes of stars, when we see the sun rise every morning, and when it sets and we see beauty in its splendor, we say, oh, how magnificent. And that's only a glimpse of God's glory. You know, Moses, in our text, Old Testament reading from Exodus 24, God invited him up to this high mountain. And, and most of the time when you read Old Testament scriptures and you hear about God's glory, God's presence. You also hear an association with a cloud that's over the mountain. And out of the cloud, you know, the voice of God speaks to Moses. Well, in this text, Moses was invited up so that he could receive the tablets, the two tablets with the law and the commandments of God for God's people so that they may know how to live in relationship with God and relationship with each other. And, and the people who were down at the base of the mountain because there was some preparation and it's fascinating story to read, you know, the Old Testament as well as the New Testament scripture. And I would encourage you, you know, as an aside, you know, if you have, take some time and read from Exodus 19 all the way to Exodus 34 and you will get a, a, a more insight into the glory of God and how, the, how God's presence was there with God's people. But in this particular text, we heard the people from Exodus 24 who were at the base of the mountain. While Moses and, and the others were up on the mountain, they were down there and they, they were not allowed to touch the mountain because anywhere God's presence is, the power of God, you know, uh, they were given instructions on how they were supposed to conduct themselves. But the people, interesting, the people in this text from Exodus 24, they looked up to the top of the mountain and they, and, and they described the glory of God as a devouring fire. There was smoke on the mountain, there was fire, and there were all these elements going on. And the people knew that the presence of God was there on that mountain, communing with Moses, and they chose to describe it as a devouring fire. You know, I, when I read that, I thought about the fires that I have seen on the news that have impacted the lives of people in California and in Australia and they show you, you know, fire just raging through. And the force and the power of that fire, how it can destroy anything in its midst. And the people chose to describe 
God's glory as a devouring fire. But then we come to the New Testament and we hear the reading from Matthew 17 about the transfiguration on this high mountain that Jesus took Peter, James, and John. You know, normally in history, Jesus would find himself, you know, away from his disciples and he's always, he could always be found in some mountain somewhere praying, talking to the Father. And in this particular gospel reading that Matthew tells us, it is so significant that we could find it in the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew tells the story in chapter 17 and Luke and Mark you know, respectively tell the same story with a different twist or different details in chapter 9, both of Mark and Luke. But I love Matthew's version of the transfiguration, the unique details that he allows the readers to hear. Yes, Jesus took these three, his three potential leaders for the church up to the mountain, and why did he allow them to see his glory, to see the state of him before he even came to this world, you know, as a helpless infant baby. Why the transfiguration? Why that story for the disciples then and for us, the disciples today? I think it has a lot to do when we go back to chapter 16 in Matthew, because when you read chapter 16, you will hear, number one, Jesus asking the disciples, you know, who do you say I am, right? And Peter boldly spoke up and say, you are the son of God. You are the Messiah. Brave words, true words. But yet, as we continue to read towards the end of chapter 16, we hear something happening that um, Peter is questioning just what he said, his faith about who Jesus truly is. Because Jesus is now telling his disciples that he is about to head to Jerusalem. He told them that he is going to be hand over to the, the authorities, to the Gentiles and the Jewish leaders. He told them that he is about to, suffer, to go through suffering. He's about, you know, to, be, to go through a whole lot of pain. He's about to experience death and then the resurrection. And what did Peter say again? You know, Peter is always good about speaking up first. He says, no, God forbid that will not happen to you, Jesus. You are not going to die. You are not going to suffer. You are the Messiah. According to the scriptures of the Old Testament law and the prophets, the Messiah is not supposed to die. The Messiah is supposed to be coming as a conquering king. How dare you, after we've been following you for these three years, how dare you talk about that you are going to Jerusalem to die? that you are going to suffer, Peter did not want to hear that truth. 
Because Peter and the other disciples, they knew the law and the prophets. They knew what the scripture says, that God was going to send a conquering king. And how can you, Jesus, who is supposed to be this conquering king, how can you talk about that you're going to die? And worst of all, you're going to die on a cross, the most humiliating death ever? It doesn't make sense. Uh, so what did Jesus say to Peter? If you recall, Jesus said to Peter, in essence, not so much to Peter, but the spirit in him, get behind me, Satan. Jesus was speaking to the spirit that was guiding Peter's attitude and his thoughts and his expectations. He says, because you do not know what you are talking about. So right after that, we are coming into this passage today where Jesus is, has taken Peter, James, and John up to this mountain. And Jesus allowed his glory to shine forth. He gave them a glimpse of his glory. And it was so overpowering, so overwhelming. The scripture says that, you know, his face shone bright like the sun. His clothing changed. It was so white. I like the way Luke says it. He says there wasn't a launderer on earth that could make it that white, you know? And, 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 and Matthew tells us that when the three looked and saw Jesus in this transformed state, this altered state, they also saw something. They also saw Moses and Elisha. And why Moses and Elisha? Moses represented for the people in the Old Testament the law. Moses was the receiver of the law for the people of Israel, the chosen people. And Elijah represented the greatest prophet that ever lived. As you know, Moses died on a mountain, but Elijah never died. Elijah was taken up into the presence of God, into heaven, on a chariot of fire. And here in this time, Moses, who died, 1,500 years before the transfiguration. And Elijah, who died 850 years before the transfiguration. Here, Peter, James, and John, they are seeing these two great saints of God conversing with Jesus in his glorious state. Luke is the only one who tells us in his writing what they talked about. Luke said, they were talking about Jesus' imminent death when he would go to Jerusalem and die on the cross. They were talking about current events. How is it possible that these two great people who lived on the earth, you know, so many hundreds of years, how is it possible that they are alive in this glorious state of Jesus communing with Jesus. I think there's a message in this for us. There is a message for us who follow Jesus that we need to understand. We talk about 
the theology about who God is, who Jesus is, what can we expect. But I think by God allowing Jesus to reveal a glimpse of his glory and for what the apostles saw, it, bolst it bolstered their faith. It gave them greater conviction that this Jesus truly is the Son of God. This Jesus truly is the Messiah. This Jesus is truly greater than Elijah and, and Moses from the law and from the prophets. Uh, this Jesus is truly God who is present with them in the flesh for those three years. This Jesus is truly the one, the only one who can go to the cross and die for the forgiveness of sins so that humanity could be redeemed back to the relationship that God intended for humanity from the beginning. So listen to the text. It says that Peter, James, and John, when they saw this glory, they fell, you know, on their feet. They, they actually prostrated themselves in the original text. It's like they fell flat on their faces in the spot where they were because they were so overwhelmed. But Matthew, in his unique details, said that Jesus went to them and he touched them and he told them, do not be afraid. And I'm here to tell you this morning, Jesus is saying the same thing to us 2,000 years later. He's saying, my glory is with you. If you accept by faith who I am, my glory lives within you through the Holy Spirit. And my glory will remind you of who I am. The glory of the of me through the Spirit will point you to the Scriptures. And you will hear, like, Jesus, like God said to the disciples, listen to my Son. The Holy Spirit will <clears throat> help you to listen to God through the Scriptures when you read those words. The Holy Spirit who lives within every believer is the one who is saying, I am helping you to glorify God every day that you walk upon the earth. If you are afraid, whatever you are afraid of, hear me saying to you, do not be afraid, trust me. And when you have experienced just a glimpse of the glory of God who lives within you, then you become bold in your testimony that's what we heard in Peter's scripture, in, in the scripture that we read earlier today from 2 Peter. Peter was there. Peter saw. Peter heard. He experienced it. And he never forgot it. When you experience the glory of God, just a glimpse of that truth, whether it is through the scripture or through your own experiences or whether it is own even by a little cloud that's hanging over. You don't ever forget it. And then you go and you tell others because you want others to know what you know. You want others to experience the presence of God at work in your life. 
doesn't mean that everything is going to be nice and rosy every day of your life. Even in the difficult seasons of your life, you can still affirm that the glory of God is with you. You have enough of God in you by your faith in order for you to call those things that are not as though they were. You have enough of God's glory in you by your faith with Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit to make the change that is necessary for your life. 2,000 years later, Jesus is still the only, the only, and I underscore the only person who can help us to be transformed in mind, in body, in soul, and in spirit. But he's not going to force us to do it. It's a choice that we must make. It's a choice that we must make to, to pick up the scriptures and to read the scriptures you can't read it and understand it all. I don't, and I have read it a lot of times. I am still in awe of God when God shows and reveals something into my life, and I was like, wow, God, you know, you're showing off. You're showing off, God. Have you been awed by God? Or are you just walking in your own understanding, your own strength, your own interpretation, your own everything? Because I guarantee you, God will let you go ahead and do that, but you will miss the greater truths of who God is and how God's glory can reveal itself in your life, how he can give me strength to stand up when I didn't think I had the energy to do it this morning. But I kept on saying, I know you are able, I know you are in me, and this is what we need to be doing. We are Christians. We are believers in Christ Jesus. Yes, we are poised for heaven, but if we think that's the only thing that God wants from us, we are sadly mistaken. Yes, salvation is offered to us in Christ Jesus. It's offered, and we have a choice to accept it. And even after we accept it, we have a choice to mature with this grace and this glory of God that lives within us so that we can be transformed into the likeness of Christ. That's the scripture. We are to be transformed into the image of Christ Jesus. And it's not for when we get into heaven, like I told you all last week. It begins right here, because when we are being transformed into the image of Christ upon the earth, then others will see the glory of God shining like light through us, in our words, in our actions, in how we ask others to come in and be a part of what God is doing in us. We cannot invite people to know Christ and to see the light of Christ if we ourselves don't believe that Christ truly lives within us, that his glory is reigning within our spirit and his Holy Spirit wants to transform our soul, which is our mind, our emotions, our will, our attitude, our everything, so that we now walk on this earth with the glory of God, just like those we read about in the scriptures.
Is it possible? Yeah, it is. Is it for you? Yes, it is. Is it for others outside of this building? Yes, it is. But we have to trust it. We have to believe it. And we have to step in faith with it. And then God becomes glorified in us and through us. And others become blessed because they receive what God has for them through you.